Hey guys, welcome to the Fahim Mujahid podcast. I'm your host, Fahim Mujahid. I'm a mental conditioning and human performance coach, but more than that, I'm a father, husband, family member, and friend who draws a lot of inspiration and passion from pouring into other people. Listen, I've been on this journey of self-evolution myself, and I find that with each opportunity, if one's passionate enough, you can find ways to not only enrich the lives of others, but find your way to your true north. I find so much inspiration from growing and learning and doing whatever I can to expose my own wounds so that we can collectively heal together. What I want for this podcast is an opportunity for me to use it as my offering to shifting the energy, the focus, the consciousness of the world that we're all experiencing, the world that we're all living in. It's a place that I want to grow with you so that we can all grow and become the best versions of ourselves. Welcome home. So I've been spending a lot of time um, helping facilitate um, the coming together of athletes with, with coaches, coaches with fellow coaches, players with players, individuals with their bosses. Like I've been putting out like a lot of um, fires lately. And what I find is that no matter what level the person is at, no matter where or where the challenge is coming from or to whom it's coming from, if it's coming from peer to peer or, or you know, upper management to um, ownership, no matter where, no matter where and what direction the resistance is coming from, having access to how to go about intentionally creating space that's conducive of a constructive conversation that leaves you with some opportunity to take that conversation and push it forward with action steps is an art. Like you would want to think and, and, and even you know, you would want to think or you just assume that being able to have, you know, have discourse and and be able to be in a situation where you're communicating with someone on your on your team or in or in your organization from a very constructive but pop but positive um, forward um, perspective that gives you an opportunity to either institute some of the feedback that you're getting or just receive it and take note of what's being received so that you can construct or co-construct some action steps. You would think that naturally that's something that we all just kind of figure out along the way. But what I'm finding is that, you know, there's an art form to it. There's an art form for how you hold space. There's an art form for how intentionally you step into that space to make sure that you're really connecting with whatever that person has to share. And the and the and the risk versus reward goes up the more emotion that's connected to whatever that share is. Now, there's going to be some things that you share or there's going to be some things that just pull up and they're just, you know, they just serve as some kind of resistance on any team in any organization. And then there are going to be other things that are a little bit deeper and, and, and require or attach themselves to having a bit more um, emotional impact, psychological impact, right? If, you, if you're having conflict or if you're having challenge with something, let's say, like belief or not feeling 
not feeling um, unified as a team or as a corporate structure. Like those things are going to elicit a bit more emotion than let's say um, failing to hit certain um, markers that you may have for you, for you or your team or um, throughout the season or in your corporate structure. Like things like belief, trust, like those are going to elicit more more of those sticky conversations than, than some of the other things. And when you're going about when you're going about intentionally creating a space that's going to make sure that that person feels seen, whoever that person is sharing, what you want to do is you, you not only want to help that person who's now communicating through emotion, communicating through what they're experiencing and what they're feeling, what you want to do is you want to give that individual the, 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 the outline that's conducive to having a constructive um, share session or feedback session because yeah a lot of it a lot of the value comes in making sure that that person has the opportunity to share and that person feels as if um, they can convey or communicate whatever it is that's wrestling with and I do think there's a tremendous amount of value that comes from just holding space for someone but at the end of the day because of because of the kind of because of the work that needs to be done in order for this person to feel whatever they need to feel in order to go out there and do a job. What you want to make sure is you want to make sure you're help you're helping or you're assisting whoever that person is to make sure that they deliver it in a way that's going to um, generate the uh, highest return of value. And that is 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 a, is a very is a very intentional but 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 delicate. Uh, thing to discuss and to organize and to rearrange and to share because what you don't want to do along the way is you, you you don't want the person to become robotic. You don't want that person to feel as if your words, the way that you may step into that space naturally, isn't necessarily going to drive home the points because that brings up obviously all, all kinds of um, ego and all kinds of defensiveness and then that barrier just stays up. Uh, right, because someone is feeling as if you're judging something that they're doing, or you're you're per, you're uh, forecasting ahead how they're not going to do something correctly. So you have to be very sensitive and empathetic when you're sharing information, and, and make sure that that individual knows that hey, you're going to do a good job, you're going to kill it regardless. But these are some things that you should probably keep in mind if the outcome is X, Y, and Z. Right. So I've been spending a lot of time with just different clubs, different organizations within the last week and a half putting together to different, you know, different extents, right? Um, these kind of conversations. It's almost like this, the period of the year for honest, raw, uncomfortable conversations. And like I always say, if I feel drawn to something, if I feel like it's showing up more consistently, then I feel called to share it. And what I wanted to use this opportunity today is to speak about kind of like a list of value points that I had gone through um, yesterday um, with um, a Division One coach in preparation to having this challenging conversation, having a conversation that that could potentially run the risk of egos being impacted or involved and and those walls coming up and those barriers being erected and then the team drifting further and further apart i gave this coach some opportunity i gave this coach um a few a few tips for how to step into that space so that she could make sure that stepping into that space allowed them collectively the team collectively 
to get the outcome, which was to develop more of a belief, more of a togetherness, so forth and so on. So I want to share those points with you. But I also want to share a little bit of insight into what I told the players. So the players were the ones who wouldn't necessarily had a grievance, but the players were the ones who wanted to communicate where there were where there could potentially be an opportunity um, to feel a bit more connected to the coaching staff, right? Although the players felt, you know, that the coaches were showing up very powerfully and doing things with a very powerful intention. Um, you know, they wanted to utilize this opportunity to communicate with their coaches so that they could feel a bit more connected to the belief um, that coach and, 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 and the fellow coaches were communicating that was a part of the culture, the desired culture or the desired psychological ph philosophy of how they wanted to approach the season. And as players, they were feeling a little bit of that disconnect. Now, I think a lot of that disconnect had more to do with them not having amongst players, not having that trust and that connection to each other. And I think whenever you're not feeling as if you're being loved on or being valued, or if you don't feel in connection with your community, then you're gonna be more sensitive to everything else. And if you're sensitive going into a space, if you're not feeling those elements that all on the human level we all desire, if you're if you're not feeling that and then you go into a coaching environment, chances are you're already putting that coach at a disadvantage because anything that coaches that coach shares or says is going to come across you as an as a personal attack. And I don't know how you coach without making corrections or, or criticizing or now there's a manner in which you can do things. Obviously, um, I spend my life trying to help people. Um, well-intended people kind of construct or design a way that in attaching those criticisms or those comments, you can deliver it in a way that leaves, leaves less of a trail of impact. But nonetheless, being a coach, especially at a highly competitive level, there's going to be moments that if you're not already feeling connected, if, you are, if you're not already feeling together, if you're not already having anchored having being anchored into that belief in yourself that confidence in yourself what's going to happen is when you get in that environment you're going to constantly feel attacked and you're going to feel as if the person that's leading you or coaching you doesn't have your best interest at heart you're going to feel as if there's no connection with the person that's leading you now here's the question could you whether whether you own your own business um, and you're a CEO of some Fortune 500 company or you're a head coach of a program, doesn't matter, basketball, football, baseball, whatever. Here's a question for you because you get a lot of times you get people saying, well, it wasn't until I went through this process that I started understanding the value um, of the work that, that you do on the, you know, to the different degrees in which you do it. So here's the question for you. Do you think that you could get 90% commitment, 90% effort, Right? Do you think you can get 90% of the best of an individual that you have on your team willing to go that extra mile, willing to stay extra hours if needed, willing to make that additional call, willing to go out of their way to stop by that one potential lead, willing to make the pass, willing to make the run? Do you think you could get 90? Forget 100. Do you think you can get 90 if a person that you're leading doesn't feel a sense of connection to you and leadership. If the person that you're leading doesn't feel anchored into that belief that you're stressing the importance of, if that person that you're leading doesn't feel connected to what you're saying, 
And obviously the answer to that question is no. So if you're if you're in leadership or if you're a coach of a team and you and you and, and you're able to come to the to the realization that there's this disconnection between you and your players, this disconnection between um, you and in and, and, and lower management or disconnection between you and your coaching staff, then it's your responsibility to have the courage to have the conversations that's necess- that that's conducive and constructive of bringing the team back together again, because at the end of the day, it's about wins and losses, right? Like as much as we make it about other things, your job in, in your industry, your job as a coach is to get the very best or, the, or to get the most out of the players that you're leading into competition. And by getting the very best, by demanding the very best from those players, you're going to put yourself in a better position to develop a winning program, yeah? So what we find is that sometimes we have a way of focusing on everything other than the problem at hand. We start to overemphasize um, our speed. We start overemphasizing on, is there anything that we're not doing tactically? Or we start overemphasizing on how we are strategically or how, or how we play when it comes to the X and O's in competition. All the while, the disconnection that we have with our athletes that we're trying to lead is much deeper than that. So when you're holding spaces for these kind of conversations, you know, especially working in the highly competitive professional and collegiate realm, you get all the time where people are in that space, not necessarily knowing how powerful the space is. And it's until they leave that experience where they're like, wow, we're starting to do things more together as a team. Wow, we're starting to have more conversations about belief. Wow, I'm starting to get a chance to know that person to my left and my right. I'm starting to learn more things about them. So therefore, I'm more committed to that person when I go into this competition. Wow, I'm starting to see certain aspects of coach and connect with coach in a way that now makes it easier for me to access that belief. So what's the chances of that player now being able to be someone that plays and performs at the level in which you need them to to get the outcome that you desire? It goes up significantly. It goes up significantly. And I heard one of my, I remember one of my favorite all-time coaches said, being a head coach of any program is a job of relationships. Job of relationships. And sometimes my job, a lot of times my job is to kind of find value in the in the margins and seeing, okay, well, how can I help this coach, arm this coach with the opportunity or, out, or arm this person in leadership with the opportunity to hold the space in the most constructive, productive way that allows them to be about the business of making those changes, no matter how big or small, so that that coach can get the buy-in and and the effort and the intensity and the commitment from that player, from that player. So the last week or so, you know, I've been doing that on on multiple levels, right? So during my conversation um, with my favorite uh, Division One coach yesterday, we were talking about how I wanted to be intentional about making sure that that person felt prepared for the conversation, prepared for the um, um, for the player coach meeting, where I had instructed and gave the players an outline to follow, but the coaching staff was there was going to be there to listen and receive and see about what commitment they're willing to make as far as other than showing up and holding space for the players to share, but what other commitments outside of the meetings were the coaches willing to make in order to meet the players halfway so that they could start 
to turn around or to connect more powerfully with the program and the overall culture of the program. And I, I made sure to mention, again, because you're dealing with people who we all have uh, our, our protective elements of, of, of how we present ourselves to the world. Our ego is always trying to guard us from attacks or from, um, from negativity or from potential fears or from potential um, judgments, right? So what I always try to do is when I communicate, no matter where or who I'm communicating with, I always try to make sure that that person knows you're already more than equipped to step into this space as you are. These are just elements that'll help you step into it more intentionally. So I wanted to share with you guys um, the six things that the coach and I had explored um, so that you can perhaps write them down and and really take into consideration when it comes to you um, holding space in your life for the people that you you consider to be valuable or the people that you wanna always feel within integrity with, which means intact with and connection with. Um, because we're all going through our own seasons and journeys in life. And, and I think this is one of those powerful tools that, you know, I always try to keep in my in, in my book of tools just because you, you know, you again, you spend so many times, so much time in your life um, walking around and connecting with people. And often you find that all we really want is a safe place to be able to share. So anytime that we can have any kind of insight into how we can do that more intentionally, I'm all for it. So this information or, or, or these uh, list of six came from um, an author called Chris Voss, who I I, I'm, I follow a lot and I love I love his work. Um, he had written a book called Never Split the Difference. And in, in, in there, he had listed um, six elements to I'm going to call them um, holding holding space powerfully. I think he summarizes it as allowing someone to feel as if they get to that that's right moment, right? Which is which is kind of like saying like yeah yeah you get it, yeah you connect, yeah you understand, all right? So the six elements that he says is really important um, when it comes to doing that. The first thing is an effective pause. So he says silence is powerful. Right. Silence is powerful. And I think for me, I think for me, that's, you know, that's really powerful. That's a powerful, committed first action step, because I have the tendency to always feel as if I need to fill the void with my words. Like I always feel like silence is making runs the risk of making the other person feel so uncomfortable that I'll rush to kind of create space in there or to connect with that empty space. I, I, I usually take those moments of silence as, okay, this person isn't comfortable here. This person has just been vulnerable here. They're looking for support through language, through a verbal, where a lot of times the most powerful thing you can do is just to be still and allow the conversation to kind of live in that void. Because what I find is that if you create those uncomfortable moments of silence, you allow the person who shared to kind of go back and share even more. And it took some getting used to. Even now, I find myself kind of like having to rem- remind myself, all right, Fa, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't jump in there yet. And I've been on calls and, and led corporate workshops where that pause, that pregnant pause ends up being something that's like two minutes long. <laughs> You're just awkwardly holding space but staring at each other. But sure enough, you end up coming across a time where someone else thinks of something that either they didn't share 
or something that they would want to expand even further on that had not that if you didn't give them that opportunity through that silence to be able to process what they had shared or process what they were feeling, then chances are you would probably miss out on some of the value. So I thought that was powerful. So that's one. Number two, minimum encouragers. Like, yes, okay, uh-huh, I see. Now, I think, you know, I think historically we've all understood how powerful that can be, how powerful when in conversation with someone just saying, yeah, no, continue, yeah, I get it. But I think what, what, what he doesn't necessarily speak about when it comes to these min, minimal encouragers is that there's an art form in the application of it, right? Too many seems a little too fake, right? Too few, it's kind of like, what's the point? So you got to be very intentional about where you put them in, right? And I normally find I get the cadence of how someone's communicating and I'll usually kind of like almost like forecast ahead when that pause is going to come. And right before the pause comes, I try to like throw in a, okay, right? Or, a, no, I see. And I've, I've, I've found it to be highly effective. So again, these are the six elements, six things that you could do to more powerfully hold space and create a space that leaves the person who's doing the sharing um, feeling more connected and seen. Number three, mirroring, Mirror, mirroring back. Right. So what that looks like is obviously subconsciously we do that through body language. Right. If the person's sitting a certain way, that's not even something that you have to really be online about. Right. You're going to naturally just someone's crawl. You ever stand in front of someone and they have their hands in their pocket and then you find that your hands are now in your pocket. But what they're talking about as far as mirroring when it comes to this is mirror back to them certain phrases and words that they use. Right. So see if you can pick up on certain things that shared. Um, certain languages, certain language that they use, write it down if you're on the phone, if you're in front of them, just make a mental note and then reference back to that when it comes time for you to share the response to their feedback. Um, mirroring could be a very powerful way to do that. Number four, labeling. So I, I find I find labeling to be the one that stood out the most to me um, because I was always, oh, I, I don't know, I was always, I, I, I was always told to kind of like frown on the idea of labeling someone else's feelings. Like I always thought that that was something that you wanted to avoid. I always thought that was something that you wanted to kind of sh make sure that you were doing everything you could to connect to what was sharing, but not necessarily feeling like you have to label it. And I'm pretty sure a lot of that has to do with just kind of like the conversation that we have about just labeling in general and, and especially now like doing everything we can to not put people in certain label groups and categories and really seeing or allowing someone to kind of be and show up for you in your life the way in which um, they can show up without necessarily having to go through or deconstruct the labels or the groups or the prejudices and all that stuff so I'm pretty sure the labeling conversation or my or my idea that labeling is a bad thing to do or something that should be discouraged I'm sure a lot of it kind of goes through that although very different, very similar in, in, in nature in certain aspects of what labeling could potentially do to a conversation or to an individual. So I naturally feel as if that's kind of bled into also not wanting to label someone else's share. But what he's saying here is is, is actually something really powerful. And, and I tried to do this, I started doing this a couple weeks back and I was actually pleasantly surprised. And what he's referring to by labeling is if you have someone that's sharing powerfully, if you have someone that has something that's on um, the forefront of their heart or their mind that they feel like they wanna share and they can't necessarily um, come down to one kind of label, sometimes in replaying it by labeling it, 
it can make that person feel a bit more seen. So example, if you have someone that's kind of like telling you all the things that um, they like, dislike, but some of the, some of the areas that they're confused about, but they're not really sure what, what you're trying to say, what you're not trying to say, sometimes you're saying, okay, all right, so I hear what you're saying, and it seems like right now there's still a lot of confusion around how we're gonna go forward on this project, right? Like that in and of itself, not only it validates what the person shared, but it also it reaffirms um, the intentiveness behind how you were listening to them. So sometimes labeling it, especially when it comes to having those sticky conversations, um, could be a very powerful, very powerful um, tool. Number five is paraphrasing, right? So paraphrasing, we don't need to necessarily, you don't need me to extend or expand upon that. I think we all know what paraphrasing means. But number five is paraphrasing. Um, I mean, I do that, you know, but not as often uh, from from the other six. I think this is this is probably the one that I do the least. And it's not necessarily these aren't six that you need to do every single time. But these are just six points to kind of, again, writing your journal or keeping your toolkit um, because they've been there. They've been shown um, through studies um, that these are six effective ways to be able to, again, intentionally hold a powerful space for someone and the sixth and final which i think is incredibly important all of them are important but it's a great great one to end on because it's summarizing summarizing right so end on i mean as we're summarizing this uh this episode so summarizing we all do it um whether we kind of do it um in our inside voice, whether we do it after we conclude the conversation, whether we do it as we're replaying back the conversation, we all do it to one degree or another. What this is talking about is being able to, while you're in the throes of the conversation, before you exit the conversation, go back and summarize what was said and what was shared. And again, make sure you do that through a lens of not being judgmental or not making statements about or judgments about what was shared, but instead summarize what was shared. And if you can be intentional about how you're sharing it in the fact that you're incorporating those other six elements or five elements, you're mirroring, you're labeling, you're paraphrasing, you're using minimal encouragers and effective pauses when you're summarizing, then that creates the opportunity for you to really land it a bit more powerfully. Right. So summarizing is something that I've always done. And I've, you know, since coming across this um, this literature a few weeks ago, I've, I've really used it powerfully. And I find um, that it's been incredibly effective for having the other person who sits across from you um, really just kind of like round up their ability to really feel seen and, and heard and connected to. So so take these six, um, I'll, I'll take these six, one, effective pauses, two, minimum encouragers, three, mirroring, four, labeling, five, paraphrasing, and six, summarize. Take these six. And like I said, if you're not in the situation right now where you have um, a space that you need to hold specifically for um, getting in the getting in there and getting in there and having some of those powerful conversations, um, and you don't necessarily feel like you need to utilize that right now, great. But like I said, the reason why we're sharing and the reason why we're creating value through these um, through the podcast and these episodes is so that you can develop your library of tools. And I and I honestly think those are. Um, six important points to uh, keep written down so that you can reference back to um, just so that you feel as if you're going into 
um, the spaces in your life when you're intentionally trying to hold space that's conducive of helping everyone involved feel seen and feel valued. But also um, that's um, a powerful way to make sure that you leave the conversation feeling as if you held it the right way with the right intention and you're taking as much value and you're creating as, as much safety um, within that communication or within that space so that person can be brave and really share openly um, so that you can get to the to root of what caused the conversation to be um, needed in the first place. So those are the six. I hope you apply it. I hope there's value there. Um, and um, yeah, until we until next time, see ball, think ball.